0: Hello, I'm Richard Grund. Tonight being Halloween, I thought we would do a special edition of Firefall Talk Radio and play you an archived edition of a show we used to do on Sunday nights called Reflections in the Dark, where we talked about the paranormal, the supernatural, current events as they pertained to the supernatural and the spiritual Each year we used to do a show called Occulttoberfest, and for four weeks in October we would lead up to Halloween with stories or testimonies or shows between my co-host and I, Joe Citrone, talking about the occult. Well, tonight I'm going to play for you one of the Halloween episode of Occult Oberfest. Now while information may be dated in regards to numbers or current events, its overall information is still the same. It's a show we were proud of. We were one of the first paranormal supernatural weekly shows starting out in 2010 and now the proliferation of such shows are all over the internet. But we were one of the forerunners and groundbreakers of this format. So we hope that you enjoyed. If you do, write to us. Go to firefalltalkradio.com. Use the contact button. Let us know what you think. We've discussed the possibility of doing occasional special editions. After 10 years of doing Reflections in the Dark, we needed a break. But it may be time to come back. But we'll do it only if it's something that you want to hear. So sit back. Enjoy. Listen, retain, and make up your own mind about Halloween. Yes, here it is already the final night of a 2016 last time you'll hear that intro I uh, can't believe it's over already but uh, it's Halloween weekend we're at the Grund home we have an al- annual Halloween tradition I'm turning out all the lights and not answering the door. And if they do knock, we just say, "Get away from this door, candy craving heathens!" Now we don't do that. I'm sorry, that was rude. Um, we, but we do. <laughs> we do turn out all the lights. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Spontaneous. Uh, <laughs> oh, let's, let's go to the music again. <laughs> Oh, it's gonna be a good one talking about Halloween. But we don't answer the door. Speaking of answering the door, are you doing Joe? <laughs> so, so. Oh, <laughs> uh, 60
1: minutes of laughter. All right. So, so, all right. So, stop. Woo. So, all right. Cut it. So, so, um. <clears throat> All right, so, so on Halloween. Uh, all right, so Halloween
0: in New England. The long laughing. I gotta look for it. It's here.
1: All right, so. Um, Halloween in New England, Ocultest. You know you know, I remember when we first started doing Occult Toberfest and you had this vision and you were like, you know what? Let's do this and, and let's expose the darkness and what better time to do that than dedicate the whole month to exposing the darkness and which we do pretty well all the shows right but during the month of Halloween, it's a little bit different because everybody's getting amped up. All the people that are involved in Halloween, especially New England, you deal with a lot of people going to Salem. I mean, those hotels in Salem are booked sometimes at the Hawthorne Hotel two years in advance. I mean, it's really tough to get there. They close all the streets down. Um, you can't drive down there. Cops are around. I mean, even the cops on their cars have the um salem emblem with the witch on their doors uh, on the cars so everything it's a big tourist town and it's tough to get in there
0: um wait wait, they have a hotel named after nathaniel hawthorne yes not want to be associated with what went on there wow poor guy it's the biggest hotel obviously
1: in that area called the nathaniel hawthorne hotel Uh, a beautiful hotel mind you it's um but yeah i mean it's it's one of those things that What's the main hotel in that whole town. And like I said, it is booked sometimes two years in advance. I mean, the streets are crowded and they amp up. New England like that as a whole. So I like when we did the whole vision for a Toberfest. What I liked about it was you've got the energy that everybody is bringing in for the darkness, and then we can come in there and we can bring we can bring the light with us and, uh, and shine in those areas. So it's good to be here. Hard to believe that we are, what, on six years, I think, of Occult Toberfest? Uh, six six yeah. years. Right. And uh, it's good to be here. And uh, I wouldn't spend a Sunday doing anything else um, on the 30th here um, than, than being a part of Reflections in the Dark. So I'd like to welcome our Lord <coughs> listening audience out there and apologize for the sudden outburst of laughing and that was never in the script with us I don't know what compelled Richard I apologize for him because I don't he just blindsided me with that whole little thing that I wasn't even expecting so um, almost lost my coffee spit the coffee out the whole nine yards it, it was it was good
0: but, it was one of those moments yeah
1: but anyway it's good to be here and uh, we welcome you guys and let's see what we can do in this uh, in this next hour
0: you know there uh, somebody i know went there recently and said there is this church right in the middle of it all trying to combat it it'd be cool to do an occult overfest from salem at that church that would be cool i'm gonna look into that for next year <clears throat> yeah there's
1: uh there's from what i remember there's two churches in there um one is more of like a christian denominational church i don't know of the other ones and then not too far from the the hawthorne hotel is a huge Historic church almost looks like you know one of the old cathedral type churches. Yeah, but other than that, yeah, I mean, he sent me the don't...
0: picture. It looks like a little storefront thing where they were trying to do something. That's we'll, it. We'll yep. look, we'll look into it and see if maybe they want to band together for at least one night. But yeah, it's a big, big time of year, and people don't get how big it really is. And it, it's still amazing to me. I'm not trying to start out on a rant, and I won't. The number of people that claim to be Judeo-Christian believers, whether they believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob alone, or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and his son, Jesus of Nazareth, who still do not get the darkness and the danger of this day. I mean, this is obviously a pagan day. There's nothing Christian about it. I mean, if we pause for a moment and dig beneath the candy and the devil's food cake, what we'll find is ugly. Uh, What's the focus? Death, fear, and horror. Evil, uh, the devil, the occult. The colors of Halloween are orange and black because it's uh, orange for harvest, black for death. You know, every year that we do this, I give how much is being spent in 2016 is an all-time record. Get ready for this one. Halloween retail spending, 2016, $8.4 billion. Wow. That's 171 million people participating in it they'll spend almost $83 a piece. So 8.4 billion dollars in a small period of time. We're not talking a big period. We're talking September to November. That's when it, it they spend their money. That's when the majority of all candy is uh sold. The annual high, the the annual uh expenditure on costumes every year is 3.1 billion dollars. Uh, I mean, give me a break here. That's just craziness. And this is from the National Retail Federation. So these are real projected numbers. That 69.1% of Americans will participate and only 30.9% won't. And we want to we wonder why America's in the shape that it is in.
1: You know, every every year you do that fun fact. And it's mind-blowing when we come up with the figures and, and you let us know, you know, how much that the projection is. And, and what's really strange, or should I say n- not strange because it doesn't surprise me, but, but what is baffling is every year it exceeds that. So th- this year is – it's like it's like no matter what state we are in, you know, in, in the world and what's going on, one, the one day that seems to still continuously increase in numbers – is Halloween and, and candy and costumes and all those things that, that are part of that um, is just is mind blowing to me how it is like I just I just can't believe that like I don't know the thing the thing that's always been tough for me I mean it does it's not now at all but you know when I was younger I struggled with the Halloween thing because I was a big candy eater you know and as far as going out with my friends on Halloween. get your, your, you know, the pillowcase and and fill it up with candy, go out for a couple of hours, try to get as much as you can. You come in and you you check the candy and you've got candy for the next week or so. Um, You know, but you never really stop to think about what's happening, um, going on there. And being part of that, at that point, I wasn't technically putting myself in the situation that I was celebrating it but the very fact though that I was part of it still put me in in that whole right dark realm so no right. matter what i'm I'm still partaking in it if, if I just say it's candy or it's all in fun or anything like that it still puts me into the situation where I am taking some sort of uh, uh partnership and and agreeing with halloween
0: yeah you put yourself at risk even just health-wise the amount of candy and sugar and things that go into the body but none of this information we're going to share tonight is new we just do it from our own perspective but this whole thing is based traditionally On Samhain, the the celebration of Samhain, uh, it's about disembodied spirits. It began in 1745. It dates back to the Halloween itself, dates back to 1745. But the actual celebration of Samhain goes back to the Druids way before then. Uh, multiple multiple names for the fall equinox, uh Albin, Elphid, Autumn Equinox, Fall Solstice, Cornucopia, Feast of Avalon, Festival of Dionysus, Harvest Home, Harvest Tide, Maybon, Night of the Hunters, Second Harvest Festival, which is Thanksgiving, huh. Hollow Mass, Hollow Tide, the Day of the Dead and All Saints Day. And that's when the Catholic Church assimilated it into their celebrations. It's the final harvest. It's the death of all things and the onset of winter. Celebrated from October 31st to November 2nd, 48-hour celebration, the Vigil of Samhain, uh, spelled S-A-M-H-I-I-N, but that's not how it's pronounced. Uh, He is the pagan lord of the dead. We can figure out who he represents, whether he assembled the souls who died during the previous years and decided what form they would take over the next year. The souls that would either pass on to human bodies or be condemned to live within animals. The most evil of the bad souls, the spirits, would take the form of cat, primarily black cat. So the, the Celtics and the Druids, hoping to coax Zawain into a better mood, would bribe him with gifts and prayers. And all, the whole the whole celebration, the jack-o'-lanterns, the candy, the costumes, is demonic. It's pagan. No matter how you spin it, you can say, well, I don't see it that way. I don't do it that way. I just want to pass on a tradition to my kids. And it's something we do every year. I'm, I'm sorry. That excuse just doesn't work. Especially now that we have this much information. When I was growing up, we didn't know this. Once I got saved in the late 80s, we began to know it. The church began to push back a little bit. And so my, my boys at an early age stopped celebrating Halloween, which made it tough in school. They've been raised that way. And if, if the Lord tarries and they have kids, they'll raise theirs that way. But it's a fire festival. It's the Celtic New Year. I mean, How? how 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 does anybody spin that? Uh, That, that to me, is just amazing that 69.1% of America, which means many of those people are church-going Christians, are dressing up candies, bobbing for apples, carving pumpkins, doing the whole thing, and... Not understanding, as you said, Joe, they're coming into agreement with it. They're celebrating it. They're actually empowering it because of the energy that they're giving it.
1: It's a tough situation because... I can see both sides. So when I say I, I can see both sides, I don't mean that I'm for um, the side that, that that celebrates it. I can see how parents can easily get influenced whether they go to functions at school where they they're grabbing all the kids, they're, they're doing a night of getting together, singing songs, maybe doing a little bit of um, trick or treating, you know, doing the apples and. All these little things that they do, sit around in in their house and telling ghost stories and just following that tradition. I have no doubt that there are families out there who are doing it for those reasons, even opting to not have their kids actually go out on Halloween, but have something a function at their homes, you know, where they'll do like a Halloween party, um, having kids over there for, for celebrating or, or eating candy where they don't have to be out on the streets because of the dangers and stuff like that. But no matter how you slice it, whether your intentions are good going into it and the commercialization of what Halloween has done with the cartoons that we see um, the great, the, the pumpkin Charlie Brown stuff. Yeah. And it, you can really color code it to make it so commercial and cute or, harmless that nobody really dives deep into the dark realm or what what is really going on behind the scenes you know beyond that commercial aspect so it is tough um growing up your kids i think today like you said uh, you know i'm sure your, your your sons at one time probably got a little bit slack at school for not doing it oh yeah you know and standing up what they believe in I know it's a, it's a tough thing. To, to draw that line sometimes is, is hard to do. So I just think that what I would advise, you know, especially as these times get darker and darker, it, when we do a fest, yeah, we kind of talk about a lot of the same stuff and, and rehash it a little bit. Which is fine because I do believe we'll get different listeners every year and especially in Halloween and, and, and nothing should really go no stone should go unturned. I really think that see beyond the commercial commercial commercialization of what Halloween is and do some research. Whether it's on the Internet, get some books and, and just really follow what is happening. What is what is going on? Know the the rough the, the what's really happening. That's what we need to do. That's what they need to do. Then they might look at Halloween a lot different and think twice about partaking in any type of celebration.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you do the homework, it's based on Druidism, which is the worship of evil spirits. The Druid, the term Druid actually comes from priest of the occult. They engage in the occult arts, they worship nature, they give supernatural significance to plants and animals, such as the oak and the mistletoe, hence, we get that for Christmas. That's where we assimilated that but it's pagan it the worship of evil spirits, and it's engaging those spirits for their own benefit, and this is something that's been going on for thousands of years, and you would have thought that the church, and doing the finger thing, the church would have stood up to it and wiped it out instead of assimilating it, but at the period of time that the Roman Catholic Church did assimilate it, they were assimilating all the pagan festivals, all the pagan buildings. They were flipping the names and making a pagan deity into a Catholic deity so that they wouldn't offend any I guess they were being seeker-friendly. They were the original seeker-friendly movement, Halloween. And so it got the stamp of approval. But just the whole apple thing. When Rome conquered Britain in uh, 410 AD, that period of time from 410 to 43, they ruled and they began to push their stuff into the Celtic culture. Well, Pomona was the Roman goddess of fruit and trees and gardens, and her symbol was the apple. And many people believe that the candied apple, the offering of the apple, and the bobbing of of apples became associated because of the worship of a pagan Roman goddess. I mean, all the way down the line, if you follow the trail, it never leads back to anything godly. Now, if you're a new listener, you've never heard this before. You may be shaking your head or do, you know, we may have hit you between the eyes with some things. Like Joe said, do your own homework. I'm not making this up. This is common information that you can even find on pagan websites. The, the, the Celtics believed that as they moved from one year to the next, the dead and the living would overlap. And I I don't believe that they were completely wrong. And because of that overlap, demons would be free to roam the earth well of course we know from biblical studies and the book of enoch and some other things uh two-thirds of them are already on the earth a third no two-thirds are in one-third is out kind of like the angels two-thirds stayed one-third fell two-thirds being in the pit i'm sorry i should clarify that so there are demons already out on the earth but then when the veil between the two worlds rips during that period of time you might encounter a real demon roaming on the earth and so what they would do to appease them or to trick them them was trick-or-treating or guising, which is from disguising. And it began in the Middle Ages, and children and sometimes poor adults would dress up in costumes, go to door-to-door, begging for food on Halloween or money, and they would sing songs or offer prayers on behalf of the dead. Uh, it was also called souling. First time it was called trick-or-treat, if you're into trivia, if you're ever on Jeopardy and that becomes a question, it's 1927 in Blackie, Alberta, Canada. The Blackie, Alberta, Canada Herald is the first time it was called Trick or Treat. At least that became the name for it. So, this has been around. The symbols, you know, the bats, the witches, the black cats, which I've explained, and the skull. And then there's the jack-o-lantern. What, what does the jack-o-lantern mean, Joe? Oh, no. Pumpkin head Okay. Got, pumpkin head okay. Joe.
1: Pumpkinhead got Joe. (laughs) Pumpkinhead got Joe. So (laughs) every year we try to do some sort of research, and I always find different articles. This year I found an interesting article on the jack-o'-lantern, and check this out. So if witches are the queen of Halloween, the smiling jack-o'-lantern is the king. The demonic jack-o'-lantern leaves most historians baffled, tracing its spooky origin. One popular tale tells of Jack, who tricked the devil in a deal for his soul. But the origin of the jack-o'-lantern is much more sinister. It arrives from the druids' ghastly reverence of the severed human head. They proudly decorated their houses and temples with bloody severed heads. The Druids believed the head housed the soul, hence the light or candle in the skull. The origin jack-o'-lantern was not a pumpkin or turnip, but a severed human head, trophy, charm, or ornament. The human head figured prominently in Celtic life. Warriors hung enemies' heads on their ho- houses as a show of prowess. And Druids, believing that the head harbored the soul place skulls in sanctuaries to ward off evil wow. they hang the they hang the heads of their enemies from the necks of their horses and when they have brought them home nail the spectacle to the entrances of their homes. It is believed that faces rather than other images or symbols were originally carved onto the pumpkin because they gave jack-o'-lantern the look of a head. The Celts of ancient times believed that the head was the most sacred part of the human body for it housed a person's immortal soul. Jack-o'-lantern is generally presented in its traditional form as a festive euphemism for the dead's head. The triangular nose hole and Richtus grin, being the dead.
0: Wow, they were the original Deadheads. They were the original
1: Deadheads. Now look at unaware that the innocent masquerade, actually the remnants of the druidic religious practice from times most ancient. Whatever the wrinkles, the root assumption is the same. Trick or treat had its beginning. And the
0: Celtic Dawn. I mean, every story we hear about the jack-o'-lantern from the the tricking the devil to if it was outside the door, it was your way of telling the demons uh, I'm in agreement with you, please don't attack us, to that story, which really makes more sense knowing the druid. It, you just look at it, and, and I had the visual when you said about uh, the severed head. All these people that put up all these pumpkin things all over their walls for Halloween parties, or the posters that are just w- one head after another smiling winking uh scary serious basically what they've done is they've made a joke out of that and now the other thing i was going to say now the
1: follow-up on the whole carving of the pumpkin obviously we know that's all about that but interesting that taking the pumpkin okay and digging all the stuff out The seeds, all the gunk that comes in there People usually put candles in there And do whatever they do with it Carving that pumpkin head and emptying it out Left room to fill it with whatever you wanted to fill it And sometimes other people would fill it with heads
0: Wow, yeah, that that really is fun And let's have our kids do that You know, I got a, I, I got a list of all the symbols Black cats, I mentioned black The Celtics believed that black, uh, bad spirits would uh, go into the cats And other animals, having been in the economy, having been in witchcraft whether it was white witchcraft or black magic we know that cats are familiars I've had witches that would um, try to attack when I was at the church in Tallahassee and even here they send their familiars, they send their cats they send their crows, they still do that kind of stuff today. The costumes... Celtics Celtics and other Europeans who celebrated wore masks when they left their home after dark to avoid being recognized by the ghosts. And that by wearing the mask, they would accept them as fellow spirits. The Catholics, you know, they, they cleaned it up. They dressed up as saints and angels and devils during hollow mass. And the, and the other thing here is, and understand, I'm just giving you the history of it. The Catholics wanted to find a way to venerate their dead saints and this was the easiest way to do it. This was the Halloween or Hallowmas was the way to do it. Trick or treat prior to the Protestant Reformation, women and girls would go souling. They would go house to house begging for soul cake. 17th century Iza- uh, Irish peasants went door to door asking for donation for a feast to honor St. Columba who they believed had replaced the Lord of the Dead. It's just it's just the bonfire. Druids built sacred bonfires to frighten off evil spirits on October 31st, and they used to burn animal and crop offerings to their sun god and rekindle their cooking fires to protect their homes from the evil spirits from the bonfires. And then some people, taking what you said, Joe, would take the embers of the bonfires and bring them home and put it into the jack-o'-lanterns, supposedly bringing the the warding-off power with them. The the Catholic Church even continued the bonfire tradition on All, All Souls Day. Fruits and Nuts and other goodies. Uh, the hanging out of the fruits and nuts originated from Pomona Day, the Roman goddess, as I mentioned, of fruit and trees, and that's the apple, bo- apple bobbing and apple dunking. It was a divination game. Come on, folks, here it is. You you do you bob for apples with your kids. Here's what you're recreating: a divination game, mostly done by girls, but. Even with boys, it would predict who you would marry, who your future love would be. And then if a girl got the apple and peeled that apple in front of a mirror in a room lit by a candle, an apparition of her future husband would appear behind her in the mirror. I'm sorry, how was that a good thing, the apparition of... Your future husband uh, appearing in the mirror. Yeah, that's that's something to look forward to. Get the white dress for that. The apple dunking represented the soul. The apple was the soul symbol. And the water was the cauldron of regeneration. And the Lord of the Dead would then use that. I, I mean, the, the more I read this out loud, and I've done this before, the more I just have to sit here and shake my head that we dance around with this we play these games uh youth groups get together and they you know they leave out the demonic stuff and the scary stuff but all you're doing is whitewashing it that's all you're doing let me keep going here parades and parties the scots the celts and the welsh built the bonfires for parading dancing and we know what kind of dancing they did and merrymaking. And uh, the Celts would also wear costumes made from animal skins and heads, as Joe mentioned. They, they found the head to be very symbolic, which makes you wonder about those bearskin rugs and some of the other things that people do, which have always bothered me. Scots assembled marriage-minded young people for divination games. When those Europeans immigrated to, to America, they brought all that with them, including the telling of ghost stories and the pulling of pranks. And all that came from the Encyclopedia Britannica. That's where that information came from. So when you sit here and you listen to this and and I did some of this stuff, and we used to do the carving before I got saved with uh, uh, Jesse. Chris wasn't born yet. That was a big thing that we would do, and that, you know, you act like, wow, this is one time a year. We play, we put up the stuff. You cre- we did the Christmas thing back then. We don't anymore. And put up the mistletoe, and we put up the tree, and we did all this stuff, never once saying, hey, where did all this come from? What does this mean?
1: That's, uh... sure. and I know it's tough for you, too, because, you know, you've always- We said that even following the traditions with Christmas and obviously we'll we'll save that for another show and coming up in the next few months. But something interesting that you said about familiars and cats and I I remember a story you told um, about a cat. I want to say now I could be way off. But I remember you talking about, uh, I think you had a cat, um, and I want to say the cat's name was Merlin. I I don't know. I I remember it was a few
0: years ago. That was the cat that... Woke me up to the fact that the spirits I were dealing with were not my friends. Tell, yeah.
1: tell me, tell us about that story really quick. Only, only because I, you know, when you talk about familiars, things like that. I mean, obviously, you being into the new age um, and coming out of the occult, you had firsthand experience on a lot of the stuff that is very deceiving to people involving themselves in that stuff and familias and cats, you know, definitely can work hand in hand during that time. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean,
0: Merlin, Merlin wasn't, uh, familiar. He, the reason we named him Merlin, we went to adopt a, a kitten at the North Shore Animal League in Long Island, New York, which was a big animal adoption place. And the only kitten that played with us was this one little tiny black cat. And he had like little white paws, like he was wearing gloves. And he had these huge uh, white whiskers. And he looked like Merlin, the magician. And he was just a really big, loving tabby. I mean, he was huge. That's during the period of time that I was doing the astral projects and the occult stuff. You know, the real familiar I met was with the girl that was teaching me the new age she had a cat that was a familiar she said it was her familiar she told me the spirit that was inside of it i can't remember its name at the moment that did not like me would hiss when i came into the room and that's when we severed ties but the story about merlin is this at the point that i was full-blown 99.9% possessed. I did the astral projection thing. I was separated from my family and I just decided one night I was in Queens, New York and I just decided to take a quick little trip to Tallahassee to check in on Merlin. He was sick. He wasn't doing so well. And so and Deb can tell you she saw my face come through the picture on the wall of me and I was just there to check on Merlin. I looked down he was asleep in one of the dog cages and he was really peaceful. That girl who was guiding me she called me up out of the blue and said uh, you, you were traveling again weren't you and i said how'd you know and she said well I, they they just told me my spirit guides told me and said i said well i said i'm a little upset you know merlin's sick he may die and she said well they've told me he'll be okay they're going to heal him and then he died overnight uh. and man i talk about being ticked i'd been lied to and uh That was just the beginning of the drop of the revelation that these things are not your friends, and they may be letting you do these things, but that was the beginning of that. And during my time of standing against the occult and satanic covens and high priestesses and high priests and all that other stuff, they would send their familiars, and I can't—it's like a revelation. You look at them and you know. You look in their eyes and you see something. I've had them look at me, and and one cat showed up in Tallahassee one night when we were praying for the next day's church service, and everybody was going, oh, look at that sweet kitty, and I just told everybody, stop, don't move, and the cat was locked on me, and I looked into it, and it was almost like I saw two sets of eyes, and I just looked at it, put my hand out, and just very quietly, without shouting, rebuked it in the name of Jesus, and it ran. So I know that that's true, and I know that they can do that. As, as horrible as that, that sounds, that the sweet, lovable thing can be taken over like that. But they can't. So I, I know that that is real. What's mine, what what really
1: is, is, is powerful about that story and, and the, other, the other stories is, you know, when we talk about Halloween at the beginning of the show, we talked about the commercialism of it and the candies and how we can make things look so good. But when you start to dive a little bit deeper, you can see the magic of it. You can see the... Um, the occult you can you can see where the supernatural starts to work into play whether it's through cats guides familiars anything like that and then we learn about the druids and we talk about the stuff that they've done i mean we we look at maybe pagans today and some of them that practice probably nowhere near what the druids were about and what they've done especially burning bodies like you said with the the uh, bonfires which was really I believe once they used to sacrifice human right. bodies in there, they were bone fires. Right. That's where the whole name came right. out of, right. of the bonefire. So when you start to really search and seek what it's all about, it's not that happy little Charlie Brown pumpkin patch going on. It's it's a lot deeper, it's scary, it's dangerous, and things do take place and, and I would say probably during the last week of of you know halloween into the actual day there has to be a period of time whether it's you know 72 hours 48 hours of of where darkness just reigns for those who are um, worshiping um, on that day, who are celebrating, who are doing rituals, who are engaging in a lot of spells. I mean, that is where I think the danger lies. You
0: know, when I was in Tallahassee, and again, uh, Tallahassee, uh, built on seven hills, Indian burial grounds, a lot of shaman activity, a lot of bloodshed, the murder of slaves, uh, incredibly paranormal area, that after Halloween, I would drive this one road called North Monroe. It kind of runs straight through Tallahassee and takes you into an area called Havana and you get into the suburbs and you get into farms and once you get out of the city proper you suddenly see roadkill on the side of the road well if you stop and you look as I did and then I would report it to the local police this wasn't roadkill these were the charred remains of things that had been sacrificed and you find that on the highways on Halloween you find them in the remote areas still to this day I read stories about that law enforcement won't talk about it they just kind of put it in a file and covered up because they don't want to freak anybody out that this kind of stuff still goes on And, you know, people could say, well, it's limited. It's localized. Whatever it is, it is. And it's still happening. And things are being sacrificed to demonic entities during this period of time of year worldwide. Look at the number of people that are participating in Halloween. Whether they understand it or not, they're giving it their energy. They're giving it their acceptance. Therefore, they're empowering it. And, you know, Christianity was supposed to change all that, but when, once the Roman Catholic Church took over and they began to change things, it was Pope Boniface, that's what it would be in Italian, Boniface Fourth in 609 AD, declared Feralia to be Christian. And instead of honoring all the dead, they would only honor the dead saints. And all the drunken revelries and all the other parties would stop, and now they would just do prayer and meditation. And they changed the name to All Saints Day. And then Pope Gregory III, who reigned from 731 to 741, consecrated a chapel in the Basilica of St. Peter for All Saints Day. And that's how it broadened into a, you know, a celebration of the martyrs. They still allowed the gifts and all the other stuff, but... It's still pagan. I mean, if, if, if we look at the biblical mandate that we use for SRT, Ephesians 5.11, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. But if you look at the rest of the scripture, and Paul was talking about what was going on in Ephesus of the Bacchanalia orgies and everything that was going on, he said it's shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when light shines on them, for light makes everything visible. And that's kind of what we're doing here. And I know we have our core audience and I know some people stumble onto us whether it's through iTunes or all the other stuff, but the fact is this almost feels like a losing battle because this isn't something new. If even if you look at biblical history when the children of Israel were going into the promised land, they were told when you go into the land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not follow the abominations, the attestable ways of these nations. There shall be no one found among you who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, or practices witchcraft, or soothsaying, who interprets omens, or is a sorcerer, which is pharmakia, who conjures spells, or is a medium or spiritist, or who calls up the dead. That's Deuteronomy eighteen nine through 11. Well, the land that they were going into was the land of the fallen. They were going into the land of the Nephilim. They were going into the land of the demonic. And here we are in America, and we we brought that all here. Uh, that's just amazing to me that here we are in 2016, and the movies and the TV shows and the cartoons and the games are all about promoting it or tricking you into thinking you can defeat it you don't need god do this ritual hold this cross up which folks let me tell you right now that that cross icon has no power no power whatsoever holy water not sage smudging all that stuff nothing There's only one thing that has any power over the demonic, and there's only one person and there's only one name, and that name is Jesus. King of kings, Lord of lords. I will state that unequivocally, and I will challenge anybody to prove me wrong. And how I offer that challenge, and I put this out there every year, and nobody's taking me up on it. All these other teams, all these other people, all the demonologists who do what they do, let's find the most uh, demonic, haunted, horrible place anywhere in the world, and we'll go there. And we'll see who gets it done. The whole concept of this is coming, is offensive to me for this reason. But for the grace of God and people praying for me, my soul could have been lost. My family could have been forever destroyed. Uh, from them trying to kill Chris, and to what they did in destroying my marriage and hurting Jesse and hurting my wife, and stealing those two babies that was stillborn, our stillborn twins, first bo- firstborn children that we lost, uh, the killing of of my dog Samson. Even that, even though those things happened, Samson happened after I got saved. The point is this: is that there is something going on there with the demonic. And but for the fact that that name. Is available for us for me to use, and the protection that he's given us. Joe, we we have talked about it, even even on the second of the show, which wouldn't let you tell the whole thing. Except for the grace of God in the name of Jesus, we'd be dead.
1: Absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> when you think of what we've gone through and, and the things that we've done, you know, throughout our years and and what we've done <clears throat> involving ourselves with the occult, and then even doing the cases that we've done, we really. I, I really feel that we're only alive because of the grace of God. I mean, even going into Alabama and, and New Britain and Groton, you know, New Hampshire, and and some of the biggest cases that we've been a part of, um, it, it has been tough. It hasn't been easy. And one of the things that blow that still blow me away, and and you know what? When you make that statement every year, that challenging the top demonologists and investigators to go to the scariest places out there. I can say on firsthand experience being a part of that, especially doing the first case um, with SRT, with with you and Larry, um, going into that house and what we've done and just grabbing the evidence we've gotten and and coming out pretty well scot-free as far as nothing happening. I mean,
0: nobody gets scratched. Nobody gets hurt.
1: It doesn't happen. Think people do not get scratched. People do not get hurt. And that has to stat stands for something. I mean, obviously that's with us and what we do. But I think in general, that theme is always going to father us because we do. We do cling on to the one name that has the power and authority over the demonic and, and, and the supernatural realm. And that is Jesus Christ. I mean, that is really it. And. We can, we can say that no matter what happens, if we are grounded in, in our faith and he is our Lord and Savior and we, we, have, we know how to execute the authority that has been given to us, I, I really can't see any other way that the demonic can, can get us as far as what we do. Now, take that away. Oh, yeah. Take, take that away and you put it with the people who are ex- being exposed to the occult, who are getting enchanted by the shows that we see or going out on Halloween and and doing all these things and, and doing a love ritual. I mean, look at all the women, all the girls out there and guys, too, um, that are probably teens who watched so many different shows throughout the years, The Craft and Harry Potter. What they wouldn't do to... Be wanted by somebody that they might like, you know, a love spell or or something like uh, 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 anything like that, or I want to be with this person. How far will you go to be with that person? And what and, and what are you willing to what are you willing to give? to be with that person. It might not sound big to us being grown ups because, you know, I mean, you, you know, those are things that kids and teenagers go through with their first loves and their crushes and stuff like that. But in their world, it's a, it's, it's a big thing. So it is taken Halloween um, and, and everything that, that, Follows those origins leading up to that day to, to 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 partake in any type of ceremony, a ritual for for spells or basic prosperity, is definitely a gateway to allowing demonic forces to come in. And they're not going to be the happy little Merlin type right. of character that we might see or or you know on TV with uh, the uh, pumpkins and right. Casper and uh, right. I mean, would we not love to see a, a Casper in the in the animation? Uh, you know, how how we perceived him to be as kids. It's not like that.
0: No, you know, we, we were watching TV the other day, flipping channels. And, of course, uh, Destination American History, and they do all this stuff during Halloween. And there was they were talking about this one uh, event that took place in New Orleans after Katrina and how it may have been caused by voodoo. And then they showed footage of a real exorcism of a girl, a Spanish girl uh, who allowed herself to be videotaped. And it went on for days. She screamed, she thrashed, they tied her down. And I'm sitting there and I'm I'm getting angry because I'm saying, look, if you don't have the power to stop that, then you shouldn't be doing this. And I know that doesn't go over well with the people out there that do exorcisms, but if you don't have the power to shut down the manifestations, if it goes on for days, then you have no business to doing it because you have no authority. And I've seen enough of that, and I've done enough from the casual oppression to the full demonic possession to know... That there's only one thing that works, and there's only one way to do it. But when you think about how many times the veil has been ripped—the 17 and 1800s yearly, and now daily—with the ghost hunting and the everything that people people are doing—do we have any? What, should we have any wonder why people are more demonic? Why the the crimes are more despicable? Uh, those things that are getting out and about. Have less and less stopping them. They have more people empowering them. They more more people feeding them. They have more people uh, dancing, you know, dancing with the devil. That concept, and so here we are. And people are numb to it. They're immune to it. Uh, all the shows that are out there, and and you know, if anybody watches them, they go to the same places. There aren't that many haunted places, so they all go to the same ones. They all keep the things they're fed. And think about this from, from the perspective of, of the demonic. They trick people into coming to feed them. They trick people into coming to play with them. They trick people into coming to worship them and acknowledge them through their actions and through everything that they're doing. It's the biggest con game of all time and Halloween fits right into that that on a yearly basis they know they're going to get that there's going to be a feast and they're going to get fed and out of all the millions of kids that participate how many of them will be like you and me how many of them will slide off into the dark side because of a poor self-image or a broken family because they got some ancestral trigger in their bloodline. How many of those people does the enemy come in and just grab and nobody knows until it's too late? Uh, I mean, I know we have listeners that have come out of it. They've written to me. Uh, They've kind of shared their stuff with me. They can probably all go back to a moment where the fantasy became a reality and what was good became bad. And frightened them, and they didn't know how to get free, and then eventually they either met us or the Lord led them to somebody that could help them, or the Lord Himself showed up as He as He can do. But the fact is, they would all they've all said to me if I could go back and do it over, I would never do those things. I mean, when I grew up, you said Charlie Charlie Brown, the the, the great pumpkin. That's right. Uh, uh, even in the nineteen forties, the radio shows celebrated Halloween. The Jack Benny shows, The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, which then they translated to television. Uh, Walt Disney is one of the biggest promoters of the occult of Halloween of all those things we've been talking about right now they crank it out and now we have the whole superhero thing now the big thing is to be a superhero to be a a mystic like Doctor Strange that's the next movie coming out or somebody who has special powers and you, you have so many broken people out there hurting people, like I was, who just want something to make themselves feel good about themselves and not be victimized. And then the enemy comes along and shows them how to do that, but from the dark side, from the powers of darkness. They're gone. The hook is in. And but for the grace of God, or somebody prays for them, or we get sent, uh, they almost get them. I think, I, I think really, you just nailed it. People are in such
1: a a depressive state in their lives, and, and they want hope. They want help. And unfortunately a lot of the whole the help that's out there for them they get through media through watching television through watching all the shows the things that we've talked about and and it just to be in a vulnerable situation as a young teenager in today's world with everything that's being thrown at them it is hard not to even i mean i can see how hard it would be not to 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 seek the help you need and i know granted there there are churches and and people out there who are are willing to go far and and beyond what they need to do to help somebody. But I think think we're being outnumbered, Richard. I mean, I really do. I I think right now we are outnumbered. Um, I would probably say here in New England is is a very oppressive yeah type of type of uh, area and uh there's just so much going on right now and people need help and they need hope and and uh, and you know unfortunately we can't be everywhere we need to be and and what we would like to do you know because we could do this 24/7 we would yeah um and, and and that's the tough part and uh you know my wish is is always to be able to start the new year off um with a better direction with SRT but not only that to Know that during this next year, until that next fest that we were able to help people, that we do get more listeners, more people following us, giving an ear to shows like us and, and the things that we have to say. So they have those resources to, to do the things they need to do to get them where they need to be spiritually, because it's only going to get
0: darker. Hey Amen. Let me just say this to believers out there that are listening and that are not paying attention. Let me throw two scriptures at you. Isaiah 520, well, What are those who call evil good and good evil? Who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And then 1 Corinthians 10:21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Halloween's all about fear, scary costumes, haunted house, blood and guts, severed heads, horror movies that are just designed to frighten you. But the fact is... We're not supposed to have a spirit of fear, because we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, which is Second Timothy 1, seven. But that power and that love and that sound mind comes from only one person, Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua HaMashiach, and it only comes from the cross. When he died on the cross and rose from the grave, and sat at the right hand of the Father. He took captivity captive. He made a public spectacle of them. He broke their power spiritually. Eventually, he'll break their power naturally and beat them down by the sound of his voice, and then put them in the pit. But until then, we've been given that authority to live in the light, not live in darkness. And any time you wander into the shadows, any time you take your kids with you, your family with you, Anytime you do that, you're fair game to the enemy. And one of those times, they're going to get you. It it may take some time. They have no time in the spirit realm. The time is just for us. But you keep wandering off the light lit path, and you wander into the shadows. Eventually, they're going to get you, and it's going to be on you, because it doesn't have to be that way. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age and the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly place. And we're doing in authority. We're doing it in victory, and SRT does it with success. And I can unequivocally say there is no one like us. I wish there were more. Some want to be trained, and I will get there and hit the road and do that. But until then, we do this, and we share with you, and we uh, we risk it all to say what we say. Closing thoughts, Joe.
1: Closing thoughts are going to be uh, basically following up with what you just said. Nobody does what we do. We hope that there's more out there like us, um, and, and maybe that'll be something that'll happen in the near future. But, I mean, as long as we can keep shining that light and doing what we're doing here on uh, Reflections in the Dark, and maybe next year we'll be able to go out there into the community, train people, do some cases. But until then, I I, uh, encourage our listening audience to do your homework on Halloween. You don't believe in everything we've said or it's been a little bit confusing on some of the stuff or maybe we've given you some good revelation on it um take it further start to see that tell your friends about it and they can tell their friends about the dangers of halloween and what you're really going on behind the scenes on such a dark day
0: yeah and you can let them listen to the show you can download it you can share it and we can get the word out there because if you're watching the news, if you're watching what's going on in politics, if you're watching what's going on in the world uh, with Russia and Turkey and the posturing and the moving, we are we are in a period that is not just incredibly dark. We're in a period where where people are losing hope, and we're the light bearer. We're the hope bringer. We're the ones that get to say to them, "Hey, I know it's bad, and I know it's going to get worse, but it's going to be okay because of the one who's coming back. There is one who will watch over you." And for the sons and the daughters and the husbands and the wives that have reached out to us for help, I would love to hit the road and hit the ground running. When the Lord allows me to, I will. But you can go to supernaturalresponse.net. You can write us from there. I will do the best I can from where I am, whether via Skype or emails or sending you stuff, and uh, we'll help you in any way we can. You're not alone. You are not alone. And I've made some promises to some of you that I'm coming, and I am a man of my word. I don't know how long it'll take, and I don't know what it'll take, but if I said I'm coming and SRT's coming, we will be there. So that's it. A Oberfest, Another one's in the book. Uh, Share it. Get the word out there. Keep us in prayer. We're praying for you, and it doesn't matter how dark it is. We're leaving the light on. I'm Richard Gunn. On behalf of Joe Citrone and the rest of SRT, this has been Reflections in the Dark on Firefall Talk Radio.